0: Anyone looking to set their own up or manage it in-house, maintenance is the most important when it comes to property management. You can have great office staff, but if you don't have a good maintenance team, it's really going to kill you just because it's so many issues every day. This is the naked truth about real estate investing. Your host, Javier, has already been through all the brain damage of this business, so you don't have to go through it. That way, you're not exposed to all of the risk of losing your shirt or getting caught with your pants down. So let's dive into another No BS episode right now.
1: Welcome everybody to the show, The Naked Truth About Real Estate Investing. Today, I have Ferris Gosia on the show. He's from Indiana, moving to Dallas, Texas. But before we start the show, I want to thank everybody. I want to thank all our guests. I want to thank all our listeners for making us top 1.5% podcast worldwide on our niche. So thank you so much. I've been saying that all month, but we cannot do it without our guest, and we cannot do it without our listeners. So with that, I'm going to let Ferris introduce himself. A little bit about him that I'll throw in there, but I won't do him justice. He's a broker. He has some single family, but mostly multifamily properties. He owns somewhere around 700 doors, And the part that stood out to me is he owns about 500 doors on his own with no partners. So definitely want to chat a little bit about that. But Ferris, go ahead introduce yourself. Welcome to the show.
0: Yeah, sounds good. Thanks, Javi. Hi, everyone. My name is Ferris Garcia, originally from England, Wales. Moved here in 2012, went to University of Illinois, and then fell into real estate when I moved to Northwest Indiana. Just started, like Javi said, with some single family homes, and then scaled up to large uh, multifamily and then apartment complexes. So the current portfolio is a little over 700 units. Of those units, I own close to 500 myself. Now outside like capital. That's all my own equity. And then I'm also a broker with a commercial group. We have 11 very good brokers that work across the Midwest. So that's a separate business we have and that's going pretty good too. Awesome.
1: Hey, I didn't realize you're from Wales. So you're the second person that I know that's from Wales. I have a really good friend of mine here. I'm in Raleigh, North Carolina. He lives in Cary, North Carolina. His name's Kyle. He's from Wales. He was a pilot, the Royal Air Force. I don't even know what he was telling me. Yeah,
0: maybe me. the Royal Air Force. Yeah. Not too many times you find a Welsh man out here. So that's good.
1: <laughs> yes. Yeah, so it was a super nice guy. I mean, been a good friend of mine for gosh, eight years now. I met him when I started my real estate career and he's been a very good friend. We partnered up in a few projects. All right. So that's good. That's my second Wales connection. So Nice. Yeah. yeah perfect. Hey, I want to talk about a couple of things, right? I want to talk about moving here in 2012, went to college, and then tell me how you fell into real estate. How did that happen?
0: Yeah, great question. So I ended up playing professional tennis for a year, got to about 400 in the world, didn't like all the travel that came with it. So got into tennis coaching in Northwest Indiana. At the time I was taking a series seven and series four. I was trading some options, really didn't like it. It was stressful. So I ended up getting out of that and my parents had six houses. They still own them back home in England. And they said, why don't you try real estate? It's a lot less easy to sell. If you're down a little bit, the market will go up and down, but you can just keep it, keep the cash flow. So from that, I started looking around in my area, found what looked to be a good house. It was a hundred thousand in a good area. The rent was 1200. Seemed that it made sense with my cash on cash return. So that was my first one back in late 2018. I bought that house and I vividly remember I was in a tennis lesson just getting done. But the residents who were moving in came and drove out to my workplace about an hour away. And they handed me a check for 1200 to move in. And I was just staring at that check for a good two minutes outside. Like, wait a second, I'm going back inside to, to trade my time for money. And this is amazing. They just came and dropped this off. So from that day, I just tried to buy as many as I could, duplex, full, you know, that sort of stuff, and then ended up scaling. That's awesome. Now, how did you end up becoming a broker? How did that happen? So how it happened was I got my real estate license to hang in a brokerage just to get paid if I bought my own on-market deal. At the time, I was also doing a lot of calls to owners trying to buy a house off market or a duplex off market. I wasn't using any specific software at the time. I wasn't that savvy. I was just using county records. And I met someone who was at the brokerage and said, Hey, you're coming across a lot of duplexes and four units that you either don't want or you don't have the capital to buy it at the time, but it doesn't mean it's a bad deal for someone else. So we should probably pitch them to list it, or we should just find a buyer for that product. So this is back in 2020, where again, we're calling now, either I'm buying it, or if it doesn't fit my buy box, or I don't have the capital, we started to get a hold of owners who wanted to buy more, We said, I don't want to sell, I want to buy. So they were good buyers. And then owners who wanted to sell, and then we would just connect those two people together and broker the deal, or we would just list that product. So- That's how I fell into that space was we were already reaching out to owners anyway. So being the point of contact, we can still provide a service to them and sell their building, whether it be me buy it or sell it to someone else. All right. Let me ask you this
1: question. So when you call somebody and the property was not in your buy box, then you go ahead and offer to list it. Now, I'm sure you've got a lot of listings out of that.
0: Yeah. Initially when we started, we did get listing like that and that's how we started because obviously they're looking to sell. That's why we're there. And it was just a little too much rehab for me because I'm not very good in that space. I might buy more discounted stuff and more turnkey. So we could list that. Something that was a little pricey for me, but I think it would sell in the open market. We would list that. So yeah, we got a lot of business from just telling people, Hey, we can list this for you and get this sold.
1: Yeah, that is awesome. So a lot of people don't understand that if you're making phone calls to buy properties for yourself and you're looking at a specific buy box if it doesn't fit your buy box, it doesn't mean it doesn't fit to somebody else's buy box, right? Because your buy box might be like, hey, I want to do a full rehab on all my properties. But then there's people who don't want to do any rehab. They'd rather pay more and maybe possibly have a less return because it's a turnkey property, but they're too busy, right? They don't want to spend time. They don't enjoy the rehab. And there's somebody out there that if it makes sense for them and you have that list of buyers, you're able to turn around and list that property to them or you can assign it to them. You can do various things with it. So that's what we used to do back in the day when we did single family. If we weren't going to buy it we'd offer to get at a price and maybe we had another investor who wanted to purchase it. If not, then we ended up putting it for a listing, right? And there are different ways to make money.
0: Yeah, no, I totally agree. And I think a point on that too is a lot of people are trying to find the deal to sell it. And I don't think they value enough the relationship with very good buyers. From that day, we'd probably have eight to nine good buyers with great relationships that have bought 90% of the product we found, whether it be across the Midwest or locally. So creating very strong relationships with buyers has been ultimately what our success has been. So- I think too many people look for oh the deal and then shop it out to 50 people instead of finding one or two very good buyers and maybe even just find product for them specifically.
1: Yeah, that's awesome. And also, right, like you mentioned that you were calling for folks who are looking to sell their property, but some of these folks didn't want to sell. They wanted to buy more. So they became your buyers at the same time. So yeah, that is awesome. So from there, you you start calling larger apartment buildings or I mean, what's the unit size you have? Like you got 20 units, you got hundred units or is all- duplex? Yeah, so
0: my three biggest buildings are 60 unit, 122 unit and 144 unit. Okay. And then other than that, it's mostly anywhere from 15 to 40 unit buildings. Yeah. And then a few single families from the beginning that I probably should sell and roll into something else, but I just, the sentiment is too strong still.
1: <laughs> yeah. You can't go wrong. I tell somebody he was in your situation, talking to him a couple of months ago, because he had some multifamily. He has some single family. Man, I want to sell these, but I've had them since 2010, 11. And man, I, they've gone up they quadrupled in price all this yeah. stuff. And I've just had them for a long time. I said, look, man, if you sell them today and you're going to sleep well tomorrow, sell them, right? If you're going to sell them today and be kicking yourself tomorrow, don't sell them. Like, is that easy? Correct. What will you regret more? I agree. Yeah. Yeah. So it's super easy. He's like, okay, I'm going to keep them. So he kept them. (laughs) He just says, I'm just going to keep them. They're not bothering me right now. So I'll just keep them. Um, So tell me how you ended up getting your 500, right? You started at 2018. Yeah. So how did you get your apartment buildings? You structuring your own without any partners? Tell me how you structure that.
0: Yeah. So obviously initially it was conventional lending, the typical 20, 25% down, didn't have any great strategy at the time. I was brand new, but I was saving income from the job I had. I had about 150K saved too. So that got me to one to maybe 15. My job paid 150. So my first three years, I would say it was slower growth, buying houses duplex. I think after year three, I had about 32 units. Into year four, which was 2021, I actually worked on refinancing pretty much 80% of that portfolio and pulled a heavy amount of cash out just with the market increasing rapidly. And also I bought some pretty good deals. So pulled that cash out and then went to buy on my own the 15, the 26 that year, the mid-sized buildings. And again, on those, they were all off market. And just an example, a 28 unit I bought for 1.7 in 2021, it appraised at 2.9 about eight months later. So just deals like that have really helped me excel and propel me into buying bigger buildings. And I just keep rolling that into basically yeah buying logic complexes.
1: Yeah, that is awesome. So I know people who own 5,000 doors or 10,000 doors, and then they own 5% or 2% of that, right? So if you think about it, if you own 10,000 doors and you own 5% of that, that's going to be 500 doors, right? So if you own 500 doors, 100% by yourself, it's like if you own 5% of $10,000, right? So there's a lot of folks out there who do multifamily and there's no right or wrong way of doing it, but owning 500 dollars on your own, it's a pretty big deal. That's all I want to say to anybody out there. Hats off to you, Ferris.
0: Thanks, man. Appreciate
1: it. Yes. It's not easy, right? And it's usually, it doesn't happen overnight. So just like you mentioned, it took you three years of slow growth and then with appreciation, The market just happened on that side, right? There's nothing we do about that, right? When the market starts to appreciate 10, 20, 30% in a year right? There's something that we do, right? We just take advantage of it. Nobody can predict that, but if you're in the right position, you're taking an action. And if you wouldn't have started in 2018, right? You would have said, oh, 500 doors. I don't want to wait three years for that or five years for that. You want it quicker. You would have never been in that position to get it done. So definitely it's a great feast that you've done, right? From 2018 to now having your 500 doors with no partners, because it's definitely very important. You control everything. It's all your cash flow, and you decide what to do with that portfolio. You don't have to sell. Yeah. Let me go back here. So what do you have planned next, right? You got your 500 doors, you have a couple hundred that you have with partners. So tell me the ones that you say you have a total of 700, 100 of yours.
0: The two larger complexes, the 122 and the 144, I've had a partner on those, actually Alfred Perez. So he's my partner on those two. And then one of the smaller buildings, I have a partner on as well. So those are all split 50-50. From here, my plan is to just keep growing. I enjoy the business a lot. I enjoy what I do. People tell me, why do you keep working? I don't think it's work. To me, doing nothing is work. So this is fun to me. I just want to see how many I can basically acquire. I think I'm going to keep going for many, many years in the future.
1: Yeah, that's awesome. So what are you going to continue to do? Are you going to buy on your own as well? And you say you're going to continue buying with partners. So how are you going to do it?
0: So I'd rather buy them on my own, to be honest. Having experience with partners and without, I have my own property management company, which okay. oversees all the properties and it doesn't charge a fee. There's no fee on that. It basically is just self-sustaining. So every door pays a certain dollar amount to the company just to basically run it. Like the account zeroes out every month, pay the staff, pay the insurance, everything like that. So there's real no fees on me running the portfolio. So realistically, a partner in a deal is kind of getting a win, having no fees to get it managed. So that's the way it's set up. I don't really want to go back and change the way I structure my management company. So for me, to just buying deals on my own is better. And I passed up a 300-unit opportunity recently because I had to take on a partner. But if I'm buying 106 myself... To me, if I'm buying 300 with a partner, that's 150 versus buying 106 myself, I look at it, it's way easier to manage the 106 than the 300 because you're managing basically 150 people for no reward. So that's been my take on it. That's why I've scaled into owning 5,000, 10,000 syndication, but stayed smaller, but owned the majority of my portfolio.
1: Yeah, that's awesome. So tell me, what does your team look like right now with your portfolio? What does that look like?
0: Yeah. So property management team, I have one director. He runs pretty much the office on the back end. and I have a leasing specialist. He's fantastic. A VA. So the visual assistant is again, customer service, back office stuff, building and reporting. Six maintenance technicians and a maintenance director who oversees the maintenance team. So okay. anyone looking to set their own up or manage it in-house, I think maintenance is the most important. When it comes to property management, you can have great office staff, but if you don't have a good maintenance team, it's really going to kill you just because it's so many issues every day.
1: Oh yeah, for sure. And in your portfolio, are they fairly close to each other or or how long is the drive between Yeah.
0: So between the two furthest ones, it's about 30 minutes. And then the central office is in the middle of all of them. So it's not too bad to get around. It is frustrating when a maintenance guy has to go to a house for one little faucet fix, drive 30 minutes. Whereas with a larger complex, he's there on site all day and can fix a bunch of stuff. So from an operational standpoint, that gets a little tricky and annoying, but it is what it is. Yeah, I know. Or
1: if he has to drive to a 15 unit, maybe you have one or two items to fix, right? Maybe you had a, one thing that's not important or very urgent, right? And then he can go out there where there's maybe one or two work orders or three. That way he's time to use efficiently.
0: Yeah. And I think a lot of people, when they get into real estate or have a smaller portfolio, they always look to outsource the property management. And they think, oh, this is passive income. I'm going to do nothing. I think it's a misconception because you still have to manage the property manager to an extent. Otherwise, things can get overlooked, things can get overbilled quickly. So I think one tip I would give people who are outsourcing is to make sure you're always looking at the books monthly, knowing what your income is. Don't be ignorant to charges and stuff like that. I've seen people charge $1,500 a touch of painting. So just make sure they're watching what's going on.
1: Yeah, for sure. I talk about this all the time, where it's just a strange business, right? You buy multifamily and the most important part of your business is the operations. And then you buy a 200 unit apartment building, and then you outsource the most important part of your business, which is the operations, right? To a third party company, really, there's no vested interest, right? If you fail or you succeed, they're still going to get paid no matter what. You're still going to pay all the employees for the property. You're still paying all the expenses, they're just charging you a percentage to oversee and manage everything. And yes, we have weekly or bi-weekly meetings, depends on where the asset's at, what part of the stabilization process. And we're constantly managing the management company. Like We're practically almost doing the work. Sometimes we're like, why the hell are we even paying them a bill? I mean, if I need something today, hey, you know what? We need some, hey, look, people are throwing extra trash in our trash cans. Let's just put a camera so we find out who it is can you get us a quote? Three weeks later, we get a quote like, man, I just took forever. But if they work for me, right? They work for us. They get us a quote within a week. They'd be on it. I want you to call three people today, right? And that's the biggest thing that I've seen with buying these large apartment buildings. If you outsource your property management, definitely you got to hit the nail on the head. You just can't overlook charges, $50 here, $150 there, et cetera, right?
0: Yeah, but an interesting thing to me is when people close a deal, it's celebration, right? But to me, closing it isn't the celebration. Like operate it for a year, refinance it, exit it. Like then that's when we did something. But to close it, that technically should have been the easier part. The operating it is the tough part. So it's just always interesting to me when I close it, I'm not really too excited. I'm like, all right, now the work begins kind of thing. So it's just interesting.
1: Yes. When you close, the real work starts getting the property to perform, right? Executing the business plan. Now you're married to it for however long you're going to have it. If it's two, three, five years, whatever your plan is, that's when the real work happens. So good point. Definitely. Yeah. I can hear quite a bit of experience there. Uh, yeah. <laughs> and it's great because if you think about it, you're managing your own properties and the other 200 doors, you also manage those as well or is there a third party for that?
0: That's the 200 that I split. Yeah. I managed some friends who buy in the area, like maybe 12 to 15 units just as a favor to them. But they're not mine. Yeah,
1: it is another business, right? The property manager business. Totally um, different. Yeah. Finding properties is a different business. So I definitely recommend if you're able to do that. If you don't have properties in different states, they're all pretty close. It's definitely something to look into. Awesome. I'm looking at your social media. How do we get a hold of you? If somebody wants to just reach out, say congrats, or just follow you? Uh, yeah,
0: Instagram for- and TikTok. I just started actually yesterday. So if someone wants to shoot me a message there, I'm probably pretty responsive. Email is a good way to reach out to me. Ferris Garcia3 at Gmail is a good way to reach me. So any of those methods, if someone wants to ask a question or have a suggestion of something they want to see me post about on social media, just put a comment on the post.
1: Awesome. Yeah. I just followed you on Instagram, Ferris, F-A-R-R-I-S, and then G-O-S-E-A, Ferris. Gosia. Uh, I just follow you there. TikTok, we'll make sure we follow you there as well. And everything will be on the show notes. All I appreciate you being on the show. Before I head to my favorite part of the show, anything else you'd like to add? Any last tips? Actually, I do. I forget to ask this question. So what was the biggest mistake that you've made and how could you have avoided that?
0: I think the biggest mistake, and it's like over a span of time, but not quick enough learning the maintenance side of the business. Initially, you get ripped off on some quotes to fix stuff. And if you don't know what anything is, then you could be paying 800 bucks for someone to change a faucet or something. So I think that's not a mistake, but something I wish I would learned quicker is to understand more of the maintenance side of the business just to not get ripped off in the beginning. And I think that's maybe some advice that some other people who are looking to get into real estate could use because I know there's people out there who don't know much about maintenance and it is important to understand what's going on so you don't panic. You're not paying really high prices for things that are pretty basic.
1: Okay. That's a good one for sure. You got to watch out for that. Everybody, if you have a property management company and you don't have an onsite maintenance and they do use their own maintenance, right? What are they charging you for? X amount of maintenance. So it's very important. That's why if you do have an outsourced property management, if your property is large enough where you can hire your own in-house maintenance, that's a lot easier than if you have a 10 unit and you use a third-party property management and you have a leaky faucet and they send their tech out, right? You got to watch out for those bills because they can definitely add up, right? Just like Ferris if you don't know what stuff costs. Or if you just happen to call a vendor, yeah. Awesome. Okay. So I am going now to my favorite part of the show, which I'm going to pull up. I call this the naked truth roulette, which basically is just, I'm going to ask you three random questions. It has nothing to do with real estate. Okay. I'm pulling this up now and let me know when you see my screen.
0: All right. Perfect. I got it. Uh, let's
1: go. First question for Ferris. All right. Right off the bat, let's get a little personal here. If you could take any celebrity on a date, who would it be?
0: Oof, that's a good question. I'm
1: not very good with names. <laughs> Margo it- Robbie is she the one in that Bobby movie? Yeah, All right, that's a good one. First yeah. time we heard that, but that's good. Barbie movie, she comes out in Wolf of Wall Street, I believe. Yeah, yeah. All right. Question number two. All right. Okay. So you need to meet somebody face to face. You're going to be about three feet away, and you can only do one of these two things: do you brush your hair or do you brush your teeth?
0: Oh, uh, that's an easy one teeth. I mean, I don't even have much hair to maintain. So I
1: guess some people say brush the hair and I'm like, man, you don't have a piece of gum. You don't have any mint. Yeah. Right? yeah. <laughs> I don't know, but okay. That's a good answer. All right. Last question for Ferris. All right, let's go.
0: Favorite food. I got to say some type of pasta. Yeah. Some type of cheesy pasta. Okay. Oh. So now
1: let's talk about food from back home. How about favorite food from back home?
0: Oh man, it's tough. I mean, there's a lot of a curry, believe it or not. Oh, really? Oh yeah. A lot of curry. So I got to say curry. I missed a good curry.
1: All right. Okay. Awesome. Ferris. Yeah. Thank you so much for answering these questions and surviving the Naked Truth Roulette. No
0: problem, Javi. Thank you.
1: Awesome. Perfect, man. I appreciate you being on the show. Thank you so much. I love the story. I'm glad you got your social media accounts up. I just followed you. So you got one more follower on Instagram. So everybody can go ahead and follow Ferris, see his story. He went from having really nothing to buying 500 doors on his own, which is awesome. And using his own capital, just learning the business. And I tell everybody, this is not a hard business. You just have to do the work right? If you want to save money for some down payment, well, you know what? Cut some expenses down. I'm assuming Ferris wasn't balling going on vacations and buying all expensive stuff when he was buying his real estate. Am I safe to say?
0: Yeah, you're definitely safe to say. I was a little overboard. I would unplug the microwave at night, which I realize now I didn't say much on electric, but I was <laughs> <definitely> <laughs> extremely frugal. <laughs>
1: yeah. There you go. Yeah, for sure. Because you had a purpose, right? And you got there and it's doable, right? Just I love to hear stories like that. So congratulations. And I know this is just the beginning. i like to see where you're going to be in the next five, 10 years. It's yeah, awesome.
0: thanks, Toby. Appreciate it,
1: man. Thank you, Ferris, for being on. I am your host, Javier don't lose your shirt. Just as promised, I like to give out free stuff, some tools and tips that's actually helped me in my business. There's nothing out there like getting some free stuff that people have spent a lot of time, energy in putting together. It's like a referral. Somebody asked me for an electrician. You don't know what kind of brain damage I had to go through to give you this good referral for an electrician. You got to appreciate referrals from people, okay? because they went through a lot to find that one good person. So I'm going to give you my due diligence template for buying apartment buildings. It's attached to monday.com. It is an affiliate link, so they're going to send me a kickback. Not a lot, but a little bit. But you can either download it as an Excel or you can put it on monday.com. Monday.com is pretty cool because it's a project management platform software. It's super cool. I use it all the time for my social media, for my team, tracking deals, doing tasks for everybody. It's uh, its actually pretty good. You can track construction. It's a project management platform. It's a really cool. Monday, like the day monday.com. So my due diligence checklist is there for free for you. This has been the Naked Truth.
0: Our mission is to give it to you raw. If you got value from this episode, you're invited to leave an honest written review and share this episode with a friend. Thanks for listening and we'll see you on the next episode.